0: None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. I'm grateful to welcome back Drew Turner. Drew is a U.S. Navy combat veteran. You can hear more about his backstory on episode 13. Today we talk about legal cannabis and kratom in Michigan, where Drew lives now, what sensible regulation will look like in the future, and kratom farming in Southeast Asia. There's also um, a matragedine one that's deuterated, which uh, Mm -hmm. McCurdy was explaining, you add a deuterium or something. I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. that means, but it's basically you're manipula- manipulating the molecules enough where it can can be patented because they had patented alkaloids in the past, but that's I, – I read an article um, by Jane Babin she wrote in 2017 where she was saying that kratom actually can't be patented because just extracting an alkaloid no longer – uh, mani- right. manipulates it enough to to right. consider it patentable, which is yep. which is like the big issue as to why you know it hasn't been developed as a drug yet. But he was also talking about yesterday in the lecture about you know, the various alkaloids and, and they got a lot of their plants from people who just grow it at home. That mm-hmm. and some of them, he said, it's like kind of like the difference between hemp and marijuana is some of some of these plants have like very little mytragenin content, but the people are mm-hmm. claim, claiming it works for them just as well as uh, some of the high mytragenin products. And it was interesting mm-hmm. too because uh, Soren Shade, when he he's in West Virginia, the, the top tree. Mm-hmm herbs guy he's a hamilton's podcast producer he brought up some leaves from they have a greenhouse full of Kratom and uh sure. we chewed on them i'm like yeah i, I definitely feel something and uh right. i had it i made a tea out of it and i i thought i used like too many leaves i was like wow that was really strong and, uh, and then they got the labs back uh, for the alkaloid profile, and he said it was, like, really low in my tragedy. I was like, wow, that's really interesting because we, we – You know, the thing
1: yeah. is, though, is there there is all those other alkaloids, mm-hmm. and, and having – like, I recently tried an extract that one of the larger companies is developing. You know, this is not something that's – at this point is even going to go on the market, but they had – I don't remember which of the alkaloids, but one of the alkaloids that basically never appears, they basically took a, that alkaloid extracted and juiced it up on a regular mitragynine extract, right? Yeah. And and I tell you, it was one of the most disassociative experiences I've ever had. I'll never touch that extract type again. I told them that. I said, look, I said, please don't send me that. I appreciate you guys telling me ahead of time what it was. I still wasn't prepared for what I felt, but it was literally like, it was like taking cold medicine and Kratom at the same time. Wow. It was, to me, it was awful. Like about two hours of just one of the worst experiences ever, but there's people that like that, you know, and there's people that seek out disassociatives and there's, Mm. so I think, As we find out, and as you see more of these companies making things that they've combined with other things that we haven't to this point had, where people are instead of just focusing on mitragenine, but they start focusing on things. I think we're going to find out a lot more that we really didn't realize about some of these alkaloids, you know, and that may be where you're getting a, you know, you're getting a leaf that's appears low in my but it may be high in something else. And they just yeah. work in a way that it still makes you feel good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget. Um, cause I, soren sent me the alkaloid profile and I think it was like one of the specios, uh, mm-hmm. or speciogenine, one of those, it was high in which also does work on the opioid receptors. Some of the, some of yep.
1: the smaller alkaloids, which is interesting. And I think, I think when you figure that along with some mitragynine, I, I, I think we find out that it doesn't work in the exact same way. That's why it's going to feel a little different, but you're still going to get benefit. The scary part is, again, when you've got people tinkering with extracts and, you, and, you know, if they're doing that at home and they start messing around with stuff that they don't understand the content itself, that's yeah. where it gets a little bit dangerous because, again... You know, like I said, I had, I tried this extract that I did not realize why, and I still am trying to figure this one out, why that specific alkaloid in a higher amount than it regularly shows up in, but not being, you know, 7-hydroxymytragenine or just regular mitragenine, yeah. but something completely separate that we generally don't know get much of, why that worked that way. And and it's not to say that it wasn't, you know, I wasn't in any pain. It just didn't feel right. It felt really, really off.
0: You said it was disassociative too.
1: So, what was was that right. like taking
0: like too much uh, THC or something like that?
1: No. Um, yeah. okay. So, so have you ever had like like Mucinex or you know, uh, uh, like a sinus medicine that kind of like, makes you feel a little screwy? Yeah, like Robitussin or something. Now times that by 10 and throw some my on top uh, of it. Oh yeah, yeah. You, it was it was very bizarre. <laughs> it wasn't comfortable. I wasn't prepared. I you know, it didn't it didn't hurt me in any way. It was just I wouldn't take that again. Yeah. I wouldn't try that again. And this is, you know, it's just something that that I obviously I have friends in the in the industry and occasionally they'll send me stuff to say, "Hey, what, you know, try this out, give us your take on it." okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. You know, not something I do all the time, but occasionally I will. And and they told me in advance, Hey, we're doing something different here. We've increased. And I, I don't remember what the, I don't remember which alkaloid it was, but oh, they explained okay. to me real clearly in advance, this is not something we've messed with before. And they, they had one that was almost double what the, the mixture I got was in that alkaloid. Mm-hmm. And they said it was just too strong. They sent me this and I said, okay, I'll try it. Tried it. And I was like, this is too strong. But again, my, what I'm seeking with Kratom tea could be completely different than what somebody else is seeking or somebody else has felt or somebody else may enjoy, you know, for those that are looking for more of a recreational, you know, uplift. And they made it, they may have gotten it from that. I, I don't like that feeling, but again, You know, I think we're going to find out more and more as more and more work goes into people making extracts. And as it goes into becoming a, you know, what appears to be a pharmaceutical, we may find some really good things in many ways, because one, it's going to uh, get out to a lot more people. You're going to you're going to have a lot of people out there that probably could benefit from, you know, uh, the pain relief that comes from the alkaloids, but wouldn't take it because it's a plant and then if they're, you know, if a doctor comes along and says, well, I'm going to prescribe this to you, I think this will work for you. And it works for them. Awesome. then yeah. you know, it's still a win.
0: The extracts are kind of like, you don't have to worry about kind of lead poisoning or, or salmonella uh, because it's just extracted alkaloids and all the crap, I, I mean, yeah, crap, crap gets left behind. But, then, but sure. then on the other hand, if... This is what I, I wrote. a I wrote an article about the comedian Tom Segura that's like, Yeah, I love that kratom. It gets me all geeked out. But he's <laughs> downing full shots of extract, and that that's all he's ever done. And, and right. it's kind of like, Yeah, you know, you can do the uh, make a tea or whatnot. Is, is that what you still do? You still make like the big batches of kratom? Uh, Crushed leaf powder. Yeah,
1: I've got tea. I've got a jar right here in front of me. I'm I'm about to open up and and have for the day.
0: I've been using, but with powder, I've been using uh-huh. uh, the big tea bags that you can get on Amazon with the sure. with the drawstring, and uh, right. trying to make like four days worth. But I never drink all of it, and then with I put a bunch of lemon juice in it, and it seems the. Uh-huh. Um, Dissipate the effects seem to dissipate over, but I had one that was like a week and a half, and I still got some kind of little slight effects. But but I'm using it because I'm trying to. I was doing a sober October, but I went to a show the other <laughs> night and I was on the guest list, and uh, I was like, "All right, I got a drink tonight." And then right, how you, have you been? You're you're uh, still in Michigan,
1: right? I am. Yeah, we're still here.
0: What part of Michigan? is
1: uh, it? Uh, So if if you look at the state, obviously. It looks like a mitten. Yeah. Um, and so you'll see the thumb portion, and then you'll see the rest of the hand, and then, of course, the UPs above that, right where the the webbing of the thumb and the first finger. Yeah. That's where we're at, right in the corner, in the little corner uh, where it leads into Saginaw Bay.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing um, that now.
1: So, so pretty small town uh, surrounded by farms. Like, basically, if you drive – a couple miles in any direction from us, you just hit farmland. And yeah. I mean, just empty, open farmland. It's, it's pretty cool. It's very rural. It's, it's obviously much different than DC was. Um, and yeah. the funny part is, so this little town has basically become pot city for Michigan. Wow. Um, as of, as of this morning, I was looking through one of the, the, uh, I was looking through weed maps. One of the, you know, the weed, uh, seller, uh, apps that lists, you know, that links with all the stores and links with the the manufacturers. And you can kind of know more about what's going on in a, in a area in that regard. And I was counting the number cause I just noticed we had two more dispensaries open or maybe three, but then we had a couple close over the summer, but we've had a couple, you know, like I said, a couple open in the last month, which kind of caught me off guard because this town is about 15,000 people, maybe 20,000. It used to be an old, uh, Chevy GM plant town. and The plant's still here, but there's yeah. almost nobody that works there anymore. It's a very small, mostly automated. So kind like, of
0: like right north of Flint, sort of.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like how's like your wa- are, how's your we're, water? We're <laughs> about forty five minutes north of Flint, you just go straight and you run into water. You hit where I'm at. Um, but it's yeah. crazy. It's, this is this tiny little town, and there's, and there's actually three little cities together they call the Tri-Cities, and they're all. one of them is Dow's headquarters over in Midland. Then you've got Saginaw, which used to also be auto plants, and then you've got Bay City. Yeah. But Bay City, for some reason, the county and then the city, jumped on board with cannabis legalization really early on. Like from day one, we had dispensaries opening and they just keep opening and keep opening and keep opening and so, at this point we have something like 37 dispensaries in about a 15 mile range of me <laughs>
0: that's hilarious
1: and that, that's serving yeah. that's serving like 50,000 people total in this area <laughs>
0: That's that's a lot of little Pittsburgh towns around Pittsburgh have that many bars for that little
1: people. (laughs) That's I mean, it's bars and and churches. There's bars everywhere. There's churches everywhere. (laughs) And now the other thing, and you know, there's more marijuana dispensaries here than there is (laughs) 7-Elevens. Like, it's just crazy. But it's cool to see because it's also kind of reinvigorating this little town. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know that that's going to be the turning point. I don't know that that's going to. But it sure seems like something's changing because we're we're seeing some uh, uh, cannabis uh, manufacturing companies, farms opening up around this area that 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 are you know making edibles and making topicals and they're really exploring the things you can do with CBD and THC and CBN and CBG and like all the different cannabinoids. It's just yeah. fascinating to watch. Yeah. Because it's like having a front row seat to see what a town would be if they wanted to pursue what Amsterdam was.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or what or what Thailand is doing now. That's what this little town feels like. It's yeah. just really cool because they're they've really embraced, you know, of course we have there's an older community here. Obviously, it's an old, you know, it's an old retiree town mostly. And so you got people that really still haven't gotten over this propaganda about cannabis where they've, you know, their belief is Oh, it's leading to crime and we're gonna have all these hookers and we're gonna have gambling and everybody's gonna be on the street corner throwing no, dice and that's smoking alcohol. joints and <laughs> you know, and you go, and you go, really, that's not happening, and it's never gonna happen. And so hopefully they're starting to see that, that it's you know, it it's not causing any problems. And in fact, it may actually be one of the solutions for a dying town. Yeah. Because it'll bring people in, you know, maybe it isn't bringing in millions of tourists because one, we're, you know, we're still dealing with COVID and there's a lot of people that just would travel that probably don't want to come to a small town because they're just not sure how things would work. But, you know, I think it's going to over time bring people to a little town like this, because it's, this is kind of right on the way between Detroit and all points North. So, you know, people make their stops as they come get gas and get them some cannabis and up North they go, go camping or go up, you know, hunting or fishing. It's just been a really cool thing to see happen. Yeah. What, what kind of sucks is, like I said, a few stores have closed the competition's so fierce now that these stores aren't making money. There's really no profit in it here because, you know, they're selling like an ounce of cannabis and it's shake is $20. If Damn. you want an ounce of flour, it's 35 to 40 bucks. And this isn't, wow. you know, dirt weed or anything. This wow. is pretty big gas stuff. And then you've got some really high end stuff that everywhere else would be five, 600 an ounce. And you can get it for about a hundred an ounce here. It's insane what they've done. And in a way it's great for people that partake, you know, whether it's for medical or or recreational purposes it's 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 great to see because it's really kind of it kind of shows people that it's not it's not really as dangerous as the you know as the propaganda leads a lot of people to believe and i think that i think people are starting to learn that here it's been a couple years now come january it'll be i think two years since we had our first dispensary for adult use open and they've had medical cannabis here for quite a while but I think it's done really good for this town. I think it's, I think over time it's going to, we're going to see a lot and it's, so it's kind of cool to watch. Um And hopefully with what they're doing with marijuana, you know, in DC right now, because they're talking about working on the scheduling, they'll actually be able to figure out a way to get past DC's sales block, because that's only if it stays schedule one, anything else opens it up for DC to, to start having sales. So that'll be good for DC also. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty interesting couple of days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how long has it been uh, legal recreational in mi- Michigan? Uh January,
1: 2020, 20 that's, or 21. No, oh, 21, cool. 21. I think that's cool. Wait, or 20 shit it may it may have been it may be coming up on three years <laughs> we lost a couple years there to COVID, so it's hard right to, yeah it's, it's like it's, it was like i but, think it was but right before covid so maybe 21
0: oklahoma i lived in tulsa for three years and like uh-huh. right, right after we moved back oklahoma got i don't think they have recreation i think it's medical but it's like you can buy it anywhere anybody can grow it it it's kind of like their kratom regulation.
1: There, it was sort of like well, it's like what DC did. Like DC got <laughs> screwed on the on having legal sales, so they basically just made it yeah. where you know you can gift it to anybody, and then anybody can buy a pair of socks from you, and you can give them a gift along with the pair of socks or okay, a hat yeah. or a comic book. Or um, the, but- the only problem with that is you really you miss the problem with that type of regulation is you miss any kind of issues that may come up. Like, you know, you could have somebody selling old moldy weed yeah, and there's no testing being done by any lab. So you don't know what you're really getting your hands on. And this isn't <laughs> to say that cannabis is somehow super dangerous. I mean, obviously yeah. we know that that's not the case, but there's still going to be risks that you don't want to, you know, like you go into, into a pop-up in DC because like back when, you know, when I was going through chemo, um, I'd go into DC to go to a pop-up to get some honey that was infused with THC to help with my nausea. That was just, yeah. it just worked. It worked really well, but I'd have to go to these pop-ups and they were at somebody's house, you know, that I didn't know. And you had to know which days they showed up and yet it was just, it was just weird. And who knows, you know, if you were buying a pre-roll, where, where are, are, are they, are they licking it? Now do you got, you know, is there anything else going on there? I, yeah. and that's just, for me, at least that was never very comfortable And that's why I couldn't imagine now seeing how a legal market works, like a really regulated legal market, which I think they've done pretty well here in Michigan with it. I I can't imagine going back to this just kind of free for all of, you know, hopefully somebody's doing something good, but for the most part, you're just going to, you know, you're buying a pig and a poke.
0: We know we know about that in the Kratom world, right?
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> Gray area market. I mean, it sounds like in Michigan that was happening because my friend who was kind of like my best friend in Oklahoma, she she started working for a grower. And uh, okay. they just basically don't have any re- regulation on anything. But what happened was, yeah, too many people were selling it. And it's like nobody was making any money because it the price went way down. Because you were saying what it's like thirty five for an ounce there. Uh, yeah, for, that's that's the like cheapest it's, it's, I've yeah that's the cheapest I've ever spent for a legal eighth in Pennsylvania. Five. Yeah, it's so insane.
1: It's, yeah, it's insane.
0: To me, it's just worth having your license. It costs two hundred and fifty initially, and then it's like a hundred and fifty a year to have your mm-hmm. legal license. To me, it's worth it because. Nobody, you know, you can't be convicted for possessing. Well, I mean, at the
1: end of the day, if if you have a medical use for it, it's worth it. Yeah, there's just too many, at least in my eyes, there's too many concerns with that type of thing that I I wouldn't pursue that if I, you know, like like if I had to go through chemo again and I needed to go get infused honey, you know, obviously I wouldn't have to go through that here because at this point, recreational and medical pricing is almost the same. Like they, the prices have, the, the market's so oversaturated that there's no real pricing difference. And so it wouldn't even be worth going through and getting, you know, a medical card because it doesn't make any sense here. But, you know, for a place that they don't have, you know, legal adult use cannabis, I, I think if somebody has a need for it, whatever that need be, they should get a card. It's I mean, it's definitely a, a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. You it, it, it gives you at least some some legal recourse if it comes if you know, if you get into any kind of a trouble.
0: And it's also in the city of Pittsburgh it's decriminalized, so you can have up to an ounce right. and, and only be right. uh fined a hundred dollars. So So yeah, Biden with the uh marijuana pardons. I like the um biden with dreadlocks picture (laughs) you said
1: oh yeah dank dank brandon yeah that's a that's a really good name going around Yeah. yeah he's replaced dark brandon and so now it makes sense why you know he's always got sunglasses on he's always eating ice cream he's 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 a dank bro
0: uh, it was he was really bad with some of the drug policies like they show. Yeah. you see that clip as a senator and he's talking about arresting people just for having raves, even if you don't right. find the drugs on them. And I remember yeah. rave culture in the 90s. And, you know, that that
1: was, I, you know, the, my 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 take on on Biden is he basically goes after popular legislation you know, it's not, it, it, that isn't a terrible thing because that's basically what we want from our lawmakers. We want them to represent what we feel we need at that time. So I think, I think even looking back, I think there were some very dangerous policies, especially with the crime act and, you know, in the nineties that he was, that he sponsored and was championing, um, I think a lot of dangerous policies and that includes, you know, um, over the years, drug policies, Um, But I think he's I think he's coming around because I think it's just it's become so popular and we know so much about it now. And we know so much about how, you know, what we were told in the 70s and 80s and 90s was propaganda. And we're getting that now that it's even the lawmakers are really taking the time to learn. I don't think that I, I honestly just don't think he knew enough about it. And he was willing to believe, you know, law enforcement and rehab facilities and anybody else that that you know criminalization benefits yeah. that they didn't really look close enough at it and and that's a shame you know but i think in a way that that speaks volumes about how he's kind of grown and developed as a lawmaker over the years to where he's actually really listening to what the people are talking about and 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 you know and again i think that every lawmaker could learn from that. And I don't I don't think this policy that President Biden, you know, put forth with the executive order yesterday is great, but it's good. It's you know, it's a start and, and it's a start because it'll help a lot of people have a conversation about things like the legality of marijuana and other plants like Kratom that maybe they wouldn't have even had prior to him accepting that these people shouldn't be criminals.
0: I see the commercials from the Democrats, and they are going going after them on the abortion issue and on the marijuana issue. Whereas uh, the anti-Fetterman commercials are Fetterman wants to release felons from prison. By that they mean people who are convicted of marijuana possession, and right, they, they have right. they have the pardon thing in our state going already. And it's for uh, marijuana possession, but it's like you know if you are selling or if you have any violent crimes attached to that marijuana arrest or it's it's really strict but they did have a pardoning program and i think i announced it on here but the um deadline was september 30th for anybody with a but i think the federal pardons are only um probably they're mostly people that took weed on a plane or something like that and were caught because there's not anybody in prison for a federal simple possession charge uh um, no uh, and it's just all people who can have it
1: expunged from their records. I think it's 6,500 people I just read. You know, again, this is this is another case where D.C. has always been kind of screwed in things. And this will actually help for a lot of people in D.C. Because pretty much any time you get into a criminal act in D.C., if it isn't covered under, say, a military base or something, you're probably going to be dealing with federal laws. Yeah, that's true. If you're, you know, if you were hanging out with a friend on your stoop and you happen to light one up and some police roll up on you in D.C., you just broke federal law, even with simple possession. Now, that's kind of before they changed their laws in D.C. So I'm sure that there's probably not as much uh, uh, simple possession arrests going on for marijuana, at least in D.C., you know, for the number of years. But ten years ago, it wasn't legal in DC like that. You know, 15 years ago, and there's a there's a plenty of people that were arrested for simple possession. You know, as a precursor to maybe stop and frisk, a lot of these, you know, agencies in DC would have used something like, Well, I smelled marijuana, we stopped them to check yeah. IDs. Yeah. Um, I you know, ICE and CBP definitely would have used that. But for the most part, if you're, unless you were a legal permanent resident and you didn't get your, uh, it revoked, this doesn't cover you because like, you know, that was one of the things if you're not here in the country in a documented status, they, they, this doesn't count for you, which is kind of a shame because if somebody was deported over something like simple possession, that's just silly. Like these are not, you know, people that are getting tickets for simple possession, for marijuana once or twice in their life are, are, are definitely not a threat to society.
0: I mean, you hear about weird things like guys from Alabama that had two joints on them in the 60s and they're still in prison and right. all that stuff. So, Because it's before an election. It's kind of a political thing why he did this now. But, you know, I don't care. I want it to work. The governors that do this will be more popular because it's like even... What fifty five percent of Republicans want to see marijuana legal and whatever eighty percent of Democrats right so, so it is a kind of a political move it's, it, it all everything is really how how they're handling stuff like cannabis CBD kratom it's kind of like you either have to go into this. Really, basically, unregulated world of dietary supplements. I mean, there are regulations, but they're unef- they're not very enforceable. The FDA doesn't have the enforcement power. The Dashi Act was kind of like, look, this is us regulating ourselves, and hmm, yeah, they created, they created
1: yeah. what's too much far too many loopholes to ever really be considered proper regulation.
0: Well, the same thing's going on with Kratom, and I mean, we know why, because the same guys that wrote the DeShay Law (laughs) appear right in the Kratom Laws, and so you get kind of like Oklahoma, where, you know, I guess if uh, you know, some uh, 10 people died of uh, lead poisoning from some uh, Kratom shop in Oklahoma, they could go in and shut them down under those laws. Mm -hmm. Unless there's like enforcement money allocated like there is an organ then i don't think it's going to be enforced but it's it it keeps it from becoming illegal that's good but you know
1: and and again i think i think it's a start it's kind of it's kind of like every other step. step. it's a start but i i think that there's you know i think what really needs to happen is we need to see you know in the kratom world and in many other worlds of of supplements and medicinal plants and whatnot they need to take a step from what you see at the state level on cannabis because they've really, you know, like I said, I I can't begin to say how amazing the Michigan regulatory body is for, you know, on, for a cannabis, they've really made an effort. Like there was a, there was a, a company actually located here in this town that was doing manufacturing. And then it's separate from the, I think they have two or three, uh, dispensaries in the area but then they also had a manufacturing thing where they did a couple different brands of edibles and i think they do pre-rolls and, and then their own line of flour and and something somewhere along the way they got in trouble over the edibles like an inspector found saliva in one of the products and they were like what's going on here and it turns out there was somebody in their you know industrial kitchen that was you know, maybe licking the spoon when they were doing stuff so they got they got fined, they got in trouble, they a bunch of their products That's quickly good, came off the market. Oh yeah, it was amazing. How quick Found they were able to Found saliva. To... That's crazy. That's awesome. Well, no no no. This is where it gets funnier. Um so some months later their products are back on the market, no big thing, dun, dun dun and then they got hit again. This time it was pre-rolls that had saliva on them. So instead of somebody using the machine, they were licking the, the pre-rolls and I was like <laughs> why I don't understand like how do you explain to somebody don't do this in your manufacturing facility and they don't like they just think that that would be okay I mean I, yeah. I'm not okay I, I, I wouldn't want to show up and have find out that you know that's happening with any kind of product I don't want to I don't want to come in and find out you licked the cap on my Tylenol bottle yeah. either I don't I, I don't want that <laughs>
0: That's what we used to do in elementary school when you had a good thing of chicken nuggets and everybody's trying to take them. You lick them all. You lick, <laughs> lick them, them all. Yeah. That uh, is 10-year-old boy repellent for your chicken nuggets. Right.
1: But- you know, and the funny part is, and then a few months later, bang, they're open again. And and I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'd be very hesitant to buy a product that that company was selling. You know, now that I've seen yeah. them get in trouble twice and- fairly similar problems, different product line, but fairly similar issue. I was like, yeah, that wouldn't be the company that I'd be, you know, when I see these, these news reports, because it's something I follow very heavily here. I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly kind of looking at how drug policy is changing, especially where I live. and And it just, it's funny that it happens. But again, like I said, this is a town that has heavily embraced legalized cannabis. And here's, yeah. here's, this is my belief. This is the big reason because they get a stake in the tax money for every license they have. Yeah. It's not a percentage. They get a, a, I my understanding is every license gives this town or the County one equal stake. So the more licenses they approve, they, they get more. I mean, like it's crazy. It's whether they sell that much or, or not here, they, they get a bigger, it, it's, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense until you kind of look at the numbers and you say, Oh, this, this is good. Because now you've got a town, like I said, that it, it's really a small old logging town. It's a beautiful town. They've got these beautiful lumber baron mansions along the main road the the whole downtown, like I, you know, I'm, I'm a pole worker now. And so when I, I was assigned to city hall for, uh, the primaries as a poll worker. And it's this beautiful 150 year old, almost castle is our city hall. And
0: yeah. it's right
1: on the river. And they're even talking about, there's a company that's trying to get a, uh, a approval for a consumption site. So they're trying to take old rundown bowling alley, right in the middle of downtown across from the federal courthouse and the federal, cause we have a federal courthouse and a County courthouse and we have a federal, you know, in the big uh, postal, Building and it's crazy. Like, we're like this little county hub, and across the street, they want to build across the street from the county jail. They want to build a consumption site and use this old bowling alley and this theater that's next to it and turn it into this big adult entertainment complex where they'll have bowling and they'll have an area set aside, you know, under the laws where you can bring in your weed with you from maybe their store. If they open a store or one of the other stores downtown That's awesome. and you, you can partake where, yeah. you, you know, because there are people that can't partake at home and it's not legal to walk around the streets and do it. Not to say that people don't, but you know, you're, you're risking being hassled by the police, you know, if you're walking around or, or even worse driving. Um, and so it gives people a place to go to be around other people that have similar interests and maybe it'll have a restaurant in the place and maybe it'll have an arcade. Cause they're talking about an old school arcade. Wow. I was like, man, this is, this is what everybody should want to happen. Yeah. Because it will, it will improve, you know, because like Vegas, that was what I thought they were going to do with Vegas. But yet, if you really look at it, there's really not any places close to the strip. Most of it's a little ways away in Vegas.
0: Colorado's like that too. Cause I went to, denver like for my 40th birthday so that was like six Uh years ago now and uh we went and bought legal weed but there was nowhere to smoke it you can't smoke it on the street and they you would see cops just stopping and writing people tickets all over the place um and we couldn't smoke it in our hotel room because there's smoke detectors
1: i think there's a couple of bed and breakfasts that are that are 420 friendly here yeah Um, And there's other places that are talking about doing it um, because they don't require a special permit. If it's a private facility, if like, if you're a bed and breakfast and you also allow cannabis smoking or Kratom drinking or you know whatever, you don't have to have any kind of special license. It's only these places that are strictly going to have like a consumption lounge where they have to have special air cleaners and they have to like, it's, it's a very, Detailed law of what they have to have in place, which is kind of cool too, because then of course if the businesses next door maybe they don't want to smell like you know everybody's burning smoking bowls but, in their in yeah. their you know clothing store but or that's, whatever. That's great. And so it's it's kind of cool they're doing that.
0: I mean, there's a lot of beat up Pittsburgh uh, river towns like going down the Monongahela that would greatly benefit from that kind of system. Um, well, under, I think that's the race way, race I race think field. that's
1: the way every state should go. Like, yeah. like seeing it here, you know, basically having a front row seat to what they're doing here. I can't understand why we don't have a dozen city, you know, I can't understand why New Orleans French quarter is not like this. I can't understand yeah. why uh, St. Louis down on the river is not like this. I I understand that there's certain areas that maybe it's a little more dangerous and they got to kind of be careful with people just wandering around. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the same regard, I think it will inject a lot of money into an area that maybe really needs it, you know, same as like DC and other things. And, and it's, it's been interesting the last two years to see what they've done in this town and know that come like this next spring, now that we've had a couple of years of, them kind of shaking out how legalization works. We have a lot of festivals here in this town. Like we, uh, for a week, we get in all these tall ships, you know, the big masted, um, ships, they, they come off of the great lakes and they pull in and they park and you can go around a tour and we, and they have live music every night, right down on the river at a band shell. So I think this spring it'll really kind of show if this is going to bring in any tourists with this in mind. And I, and my hope is they'll also try to do a few outdoor consumption festivals. Like you see other places, because I think it would really work here because we do have some big enough areas that they could have live music and you know, where it wouldn't affect other people in town.
0: That's awesome. That is perfect. That's a perfect situation.
1: Uh, I, I think so. And it's, yeah. you know, and, and you're not, you're not, there's no traffic here. Like I'll tell you, it's, if you ask me in 2019, what I was expecting, it was, we're leaving DC. I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy this because I'd been out here a lot of times, but only for like a week or two. And and now living here a couple of years, I'm like, I I came at the perfect time where I'm getting to see something different happen to a city yeah. that really needed, <clears throat> needed something. And I think this may be the, the thing that will happen for this city I just don't know how they're and my hope is they pursue it and try to find ways to, uh, encourage, you know, a responsible use, but to making people know that we've got things going on in this little town and, you know, there's festivals in the summer and you got live music and you can come up here and there's, you know, there's RV parks. And we've got a big state park that's got, you know, camping and right here at the edge, right on the lake. It's, I mean, it's incredible. Like it's just, it's really cool stuff that I think would, really coincide with the legal cannabis market
0: yeah and that sounds good. just the social aspect of i wish you know with kratom it would be more like that too as well because then you get together with people drink kratom tea or smoke weed and, you know especially with the kratom it's like well oh i've been taking this much if you, you talk to somebody face to face, they'll say, you know, that's probably too much. Are you sure you're getting a lab tested? Did you ask for that? It's like one of those social things. Are there any weird kratom laws in uh, Michigan? They,
1: you know, they 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 tried to pass a ban a few years back. It was before I lived here, and I think uh, you know the the AKA and and Melody and some of the others that are very active kind of got that turned off. And I my my understanding is they're working on you know, getting a, a, another version of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act passed here, which is awesome. I don't, I, I just don't know. I don't, last time we talked, I've, I've been kind of disconnected from the Kratom uh, advocacy by choice. I just, you know, it just wasn't when I was trying to deal with, with healing from cancer.
0: There was like recently an article about um, skin hyperpigmentation, which there was in Malaysia, they, it has been reported, like some of the older chronic users, and uh, this was like a case report where they did... Uh, I tweeted it the other day, and I was frustrated that they didn't say how much Kratom. He said three or four cups of tea a day, which is probably a lot, uh, but they did mention another lady that had 40 grams per day, and she had a skin pigmentation issue. But they were both people in their 60s or older... Which suggests- now is it
1: by pigmentation darkening?
0: Yep, it's like a darkening of the skin in like patches. The, are
1: because I remember back in the day there was talk about that with Thailand, and then but yeah. they were also saying that the vast majority of the people that they tested were people that worked, you know, in the fields and whatnot. Yeah, and so they weren't a hundred percent sure that it really even had anything to do with the kratom. They didn't know, you know, they just they it, because obviously if you're out in the sun a lot, of it can screw your your coloring up also. It, it, that's they actually have figured it out that it it definitely had to do with kratom use.
0: Well, they said yeah when they stopped it subsided, and but it, oh, he said it took it, it took a while to subside. But then there's the other issue of well, what kind of kratoms he take? And I, I wish they, sure. when they do these case series reports so that they would actually test the product the guy's taking because I I had uh, Walt Przelik on here again. The, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, guy from Midwestern. He's originally from mm-hmm. Altoona, Pennsylvania, so we always talk Pennsylvania stuff. I mean, he he initially did the, the uh, study where he just went around in the Chicago area to head shops and bought Kratom and he found yep, lead and like 9 out of 10 of the products and um, he said, you know, above 10, 10 grams for day it's in amounts that would cause toxicity. Uh, and then he, he wrote again another paper kind of Kind of expanding on that, and kind of as a hey, there's a lead and all this kratom, and here's what it could do. But he had a good chart on there with reported symptoms of uh, kratom, toxic symptoms of kratom, and he compared them <laughs> with lead. And some of them were the same. Like uh, I think ma- maybe hair loss was one. I don't know if right. that was one yep. of them. Yep. But it, but it was. It's just stuff like. Because uh, some of these kids that have died from apparently taking too much Kratom, there was um, there was a kid in uh, Michigan. I think it was Michigan. But the um, freedom of information laws are really, you could just fill out something online and get his toxicology mm-hmm. report. He had nothing but a whole bunch of my and he it, The only other thing, they tested him for... Every commonly abused drug that people overdose on, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'm not sure that they test, tested him for lead, and he had what seemed to be like a liver toxicity
1: and died. Well, there's you know, you know there's those rare cases of hepatotoxicity with mitragenine. Yeah, that that they they believe, and again, rare. Like, and most of the time when people stop taking kratom, it goes away. They don't have any real long-term damage, but eventually something like that could cause somebody to die. It's not, you know, again, somebody's gonna say, oh, you Kratom couldn't kill anybody. And that's not really true. We know that it's possible. Now that's kind of the key to the safety is it is pretty damn rare, considering that the few cases you hear about, they they're they're not real cut and dry. And so we don't know enough about the why. Mm-hmm. And exactly what the connection is, you just kind of know that. Yeah, that this person was using kratom. For them, it was probably too much. There's so much more research that needs to go into the why.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I mean, for all you know, with some of these cases, uh, usually the the person has a past history of drug abuse, so they could have been like yep. doing snorting meth up until a week before. And right. had you know some kind of organ issues, and then they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna stop the meth, and I'm gonna take as much kratom as I can fit down my throat, and uh, you know that that's just like, well, you're already on death's door, but I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be the person that's like, oh, it's totally safe, uh, right? Cause, right? Because the dose makes the poison. That's uh. What's his name? Paracelsus, the old toxicology well, you know, thing?
1: The the issue when it comes down to like lead and other things is it may not be the dose, it could be just long term use. Yeah. And that's something we don't know enough about, yeah. is you know, because over time, but but again, you you know, you hit on it yourself. If if there's been reports of hair loss and there's always the oh well people are oh it's messing with hormones. Do we know that for sure? Or do we or is that just an assumption because we don't want to actually say well it could be lead toxicity or it could be nickel or it could be any number of other yeah. things because at the end of the day 99.9% of kratoms coming from one small area and that also happens to be a very heavily mined area yeah where a whole lot of crap gets into the the water the groundwater there and which would obviously contaminate and that's why at times we do see, you know, you see tested samples that come back very high and stuff, and you kind of you hope that that stuff's being destroyed and not being sold. But at the end of the day, you just don't really know.
0: Yeah, because it's so unregulated. It's if I make money off of this, I'm gonna sell it, uh, type of thing. Because what uh, right. what is in that one small area is like West Kalamaton Indonesia, It's in that region, right? Like outside right, yeah. of Borneo. It's, yeah, the
1: southern, southern portion of Borneo would be the majority yeah. of where yeah. it's coming from.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, there's definitely – see, now that Thailand is going to have – a legal market, and it seems like mm-hmm. I I keep um, like every month something comes out of Thailand where oh uh, mm-hmm. now the governors are going to do this. They they keep um, updating the laws so they can create right. this market, and it'll be interesting to see if the kratom that comes out of Thailand has uh, these lead issues that Indonesia has because you might be able to narrow narrow it down to yeah, it's an environmental thing versus. Old grinding equipment or whatever the other um, the other hypotheses were. You may
1: not though, also because like I suspect you're going to see a lot of the growing in Thailand be in specific areas where it's already traditionally been grown, and again, those are also areas that have a lot of problems with polluted water. Oh,
0: they do. Okay.
1: Yeah, like that's that's just common in you know a lot of the areas in Asia where there's a big agricultural. Is they also have other industries going on that probably aren't well regulated to the extent that we they would need to be that yeah. you risk polluted water like the Philippines was the same way like it, it you know I looked for a time in the last year or so getting some land in the Philippines and establishing a kratom farm and kind of seeing what no shit if it would be possible yeah. I, I I haven't completely put that off out of my mind, but it's one of the things that I've kind of looked at. And, and a lot of it is about the law and because I would have to import plants <laughs> because the plants, the, the kratom that every sample of kratom that I've seen from there has basically no mitragynine in it. And there's something wrong. That's with, what
0: I heard. Yeah. About the Philippines.
1: And so, so the, you know, the hard part was figuring out how could I legally import a plant, and explain you know to their agricultural department <laughs> and their health department why i need to why i need to import versus just using the plants that are already there for this product and i, I and I, i'm not i'm not i don't know the right answer yet on how to do that where you there wouldn't be an issue and without that it's kind of pointless looking into buying land there because yeah. I mean, that that would be the whole goal not developing what they've already got but be creating basically a new. Topic.
0: I would. I would not have the balls to have a kratom farm in the Philippines because of how they treat uh, psychoactive substance dealers there. They just you, kill you, them.
1: <laughs> you, you, a lot of that's. That, it. It. Let me just say this. It wouldn't really affect me. You're. Yeah. You're. You're looking at. I hate to say it, but that it's more class warfare than specifically targeting. Yeah drug users they it's okay. it's but I don't, I don't want to go too deep into that because again someday i'd like to actually have a, a, a business there again um because i lived there many many years ago my son still oh, lives you? there and so he he would probably my son would probably be the one to manage the business um i didn't even know you had but, a kid but you he, have one son one on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. His, his, I lived, I lived there prior to going in the military oh, which okay. is backwards because most people that most expats that move there go after the military. I went before I was in the military and when I came back from there. Um, but I used to, I used to manage a business there. And prior to that, I was there under a contract uh, working with civil engineers. And I think that there's, I think there's a, a, there's several countries in Asia that are, would be great for developing into Kratom farms the, the tough part is you've got to start somewhere with the plants. And I think the plants that Indonesia, Malaysia, and Thailand have are superior from everything I understand to what's already growing in the Philippines and in Vietnam. And and so I would want to go find something more akin to their plants or import their plants. And, you know, and that's kind of the, the good thing with Thailand now is, is, at some future time we may see exports come out of thailand you know and and i my understanding is they're also even talking in malaysia about re-legalizing it i don't know you know but again that took years in thailand so i'm sure it'll take years with with malaysia but um i think that would that will benefit things because it'll give It'll get get a lot more eyes onto the research of it because they do tend to do a lot of research into herbal uh, medicinals than we do here in the U.S. You see a lot more people um, more willing to look at, at medicinal herbs um, because it's considered a little more traditional there. Yeah.
0: University of Science Malaysia... I work out at the University of uh, Science. There, they're doing Darshan Singh, and they're they're doing mm-hmm. some of the best kratom uh, studies, especially like with the social science. And uh, it would it would make sense that it would be legal there. And I and I think McCurdy was talking about he went to Malaysia at some point, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, was yeah. talking about how you know the legality of it was. You know, you can have a tree in your yard. It's not the plants themselves aren't the trees right. aren't illegal, but I guess it's illegal to um, sell the tea, but they do anyway. Well,
1: it's um, like the uh, what is a cactus San uh, San Pedro cactus here in the U.S. Yeah, you can grow it in your yard if you're Definitely. in an area where it would grow, as long as you don't process it into uh, peyote. Uh, yeah, yeah, into my uh, mescaline. Mescoline. I think isn't that what mescaline yeah. comes from? Yep. Yep. You know, it's kind of like that is my understanding with Malaysia. Cause yeah, we looked into, we were, when we were looking at doing the movie a couple of years ago to look into the farming of it and try to show the other side of it when we were going to do people of the plant, that was one of the things we were looking at is, well, where does it grow in Asia that it's legal? And then where does it grow where we, where it's used, but it's more of a gray area that we could also, you know, that maybe we could go in and talk and find out why and what, what caused the legal issues and the traditional uses of it. And, you know, definitely Malaysia, it's, it's very, it's, my understanding is at one time Malaysia was really the the goal, the center of creative use for medicinal purposes, you know, as much, as much, and maybe more than Thailand. Cause we're like Indonesia, it's not used that much. It's just grown and sold. It's a cash crop.
0: I think it's like against the law to actually for them to actually use it in Indonesia, kinda like Malaysia. Yep. And and I think it's a lot to do with the um Islam, Religion, the Muslim leadership. Yep. Yeah, they're not supposed uh-huh. to be intoxicated on anything. And I talked to right. Pascal uh, Tang Wei on on here, and he was putting it in a perspective for that, and he's telling me like the mm-hmm. political reasons with the uh, resistance. Talking that guy's like trying to keep up in a book that <laughs> you're you don't quite you got to look at the footnotes for, it, but. Uh, Right. Yeah, no, no. He he put that. Were were you talking about um, moving to Thailand a couple years ago when we talked on the phone? Uh, I
1: think. Thailand and the Philippines. I was kind of. Yeah. We were we were kind of talking about that, obviously, because my son lives over there. That you yeah. Know, it, it was one of the things that we've explored. And, and again, it's probably not off the table, but I, I just think at this time, it's, it's probably not uh vibe. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's just been always one of those things that I've looked at, like, you know, what, what would it take to move back to Asia? and How would we go about it? Cause I love living in Asia. I lived in the Philippines for yeah, oh, three and a half years. I lived in Korea for three years. Um, yeah. I was in Guam for a couple of years off and on. Yeah. Um, I, 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 to me, the Pacific is, is an incredible place. The food's amazing. People are just friendly and beautiful people. And, um, you know, I, I would love to be able to grow kratom plants in my yard. You know, it's, that's one of the things I can't really do up here in uh, Michigan. It's just too cold.
0: Yeah, I got I got mines. We just put up a greenhouse. It was a, uh, we got like a prefab four by eight greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just put that up, and my kratom plants in there now. I had it outside all summer, and it got eaten by deer twice. Uh, before I finally <laughs> finally protected it. Thank you, Drew. Follow him at Drew Turner seventy three on Twitter, where he covers a lot of issues. That I didn't think to get to today You can follow us there too At Kratom Science We're also on Facebook Music is by Rizy The song is called Memories of Thailand Please like, subscribe, share, rate, review this podcast Wherever you listen That'll help us out a lot Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me Brian Gallagher for KratomScience.com Take care